at our communion service of a good gathering of people, of time of sharing and testimonies and prayers, and then partaking of the emblems. It was a very intimate but yet a special time for us. And hopefully that we can do this again in December. And we invite you, please, to come at that time. I also want to thank you for the time that you take to fill out the connection card that's in front of you in the pew. It means a lot to us as the leaders here in the church to at least let us know that you are here. And if you drop these into the towers as you leave, one in the sanctuary and two in the foyer, we would greatly appreciate it. You can put on any prayer requests that you like. For those of you who are online, if you go on to our website, myrichlandchurch.org, they have a connection card there as well that you can share your thoughts and prayers and make comments as well. As you put the connection card in, you have a time to, for your offerings, whether the free will offering or your tithes. You can just drop all of this into the towers, and um, it'll be a blessing to us as a church, and uh, we thank you so much for that. I believe if you look in your bulletins, you're going to see a flyer. Um, a very wonderful opportunity, unfortunately, just for the ladies, but it will be a very high time for them coming in November 5th and Saturday, November 6th. You'll see that Priscilla Shire is going to be having a um, simulcast, which will be provided for us. Uh, if you ever had a chance to see her in movies, but also, too, she's a wonderful motivational speaker. She's dynamic, and I'm sure, ladies, you will be blessed. You will see down here that the times are from November 5 at 6.30 in the evening, and then Saturday morning on the 6th from 9.30. But then you'll come into the church. Afterwards, you will go in and have something to eat as far as a light lunch, and then another program after that as well. It doesn't mention it here, but it will be... I believe, a full day for you ladies. If you can register, there is a sign-up sheet on the foyer counter. Um, the sooner the better, that way that we know how many are attending and they can have a kind of a head count to provide for the, uh, the meals. And I believe that it will be a time for you ladies that uh, the Lord's gonna move in a mighty way. You can't go wrong with this lady as a speaker. She's very energetic, but yet she's also very inspiring of what she can do for each one of us, especially for the ladies of our church. Have I missed anything, love? Perfect. Okay. Continue to look in your script, in your Bible, in your Bible, in your bulletin, and you'll see a lot of the events on the white piece of paper that are taking place within our church. Mark it on your calendar. And we are very blessed to be able to be actively involved in our community and to be able to participate with those around us and with the school across the street. And we look forward to when we can do it even more. But there's also one thing that we do as a church that we treasure and that we love, and that at the time that we have a chance to talk to our Heavenly Father. No greater joy than for us to be able to come in His presence because, see, He's here already with us. He's dwelling with us right now, and the Holy Spirit is moving in a mighty way. I can just feel it. And so Cameron's going to come up and lead us in prayer this morning as we come before our Father and petition our prayers to him. I would invite you at this time to get into a feeling of talking to your Father, whatever that looks like for each one of you. I'm going to choose to kneel if you choose to kneel with me 
or sit or however you would like to. Let's talk to our Father. Dear Father God, we so look forward to the Sabbath, the day to come apart from our crazy weeks, our time that seems like devours us at times. We thank you for having the forethought to know that we would need this. It's such a blessing. Lord, we come before you this morning as a church united. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've given us. Lord, we come to you at a time that's difficult. We know that uh, there's those that aren't with us today, that haven't been with us for a while. We know that there are those that are here every week, Lord. We pray that you will be with each and every family that is represented by this church. Lord, we pray specifically now for the service, the musicians, those that speak up front, that have stories to tell, have your word to bring. We ask you to touch each and every set of lips. We ask that you will speak through them, Lord. We pray that you will shine through them in a way that helps us know and comforts us in ways that we need to be comforted. Helps us to know that you are with us, Lord. That you are here to be a part of us and to love on us. Lord, we ask you to be with those hearts that need comfort, that are going through pain. Any prayer requests that are on the hearts of this church, we know they are many. We ask that you will be with each and every one. Lord, we ask you to be with Sergio specifically as he brings us the word, your word. May we hear your voice through him. And bless him in a special way. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've given us again, everything you've done for us. We thank you for this church, for a place to come apart and be with you. We ask you to bless this service now. In thy name we pray. Amen. We have come to that time in our service when we can all participate in an especially active way. I want to make just one quick announcement before we start singing. Um, today is a children's church day. So kids, you're going to stay with us for this first song. But as soon as we're finished with this song, follow Keeney. She's down here. She'll be up. She'll probably wave. We're just going to keep going, but you follow her for Children's Church, okay? So once we get through with the song, watch for Keeney and follow her. Last night, as Fred mentioned, we had communion here, and we did this song. For those of you who missed it, we're going to do it again. 
Somebody, when I first saw this song, said, this would be good for communion. And so, we're going to do it as we commune with God and with each other. Stand and sing with us. Take the bread of life Broken for all my sin Your body crucified To make me whole again I will recall the cup Poured out in sacrifice Trade the sinner's end for your new covenant. Hallelujah. I live my life in salvation's road with fear and trembling your way born as my own as Christ is formed in me to think well. 
As far as east is from the west, so far your grace has carried me. Until I see you face to face, until at last I've won the race, remind me you're not finished yet. I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to sorry when I've just gone through the motions I'm sorry when I just sing another song take me back to where we started and I open up my heart to you I'm sorry I've come with my agenda, I'm sorry, when I forgot that you're enough, take me back to where we started, I open up my heart to you. See here at your feet. I'm 
nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Good morning. I just have to tell you, uh, Delette, you, your authenticity as you sang that song just filleted me. <laughs> just, just totally beautiful. Thank you so much for 
for doing that so authentically. Jesus told a parable once. It was about a master who entrusted the future of his enterprise to his servants. Uh, maybe some of you have read this, this parable. One of the three that he had entrusted this to, one of his three servants, was afraid of the consequences because he was afraid that he would lose what he was entrusted. He was afraid of the master, his whole, the way he saw the master, the way he saw the leader. It made him afraid. So we are told in the story that he buries the investment, thereby guaranteeing no return. The others, however, they were devoted to the master and his enterprise, and they decided to do something with that investment. And by the time the master returned, they had gains. And uh, the way the parable ends uh, is like this. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. He said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied these famous words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been a faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. When it's all said and done, aren't those the words we want to hear? As we are ushered into eternity to hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. When it's all said and done, the one distinguishing, compelling feature that God will count, the one virtue that will empower us to share in the happiness of the master is faithfulness. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians that faithfulness is one of the characteristics that grows out of the fruitful life of the Spirit-filled believer. Faithfulness. The Greek word is pisitis, which is a unique word. Uh, it's not always used in the same way. In fact, it is used in so many different ways that it implies several things. But if you were to put all those things together, it implies a courageous, trusting commitment that endures with no strings attached. A courageous, trusting commitment with no strings attached. That's faithfulness. So there is this aspect of, of courage in it. There's this aspect of being committed. There's this aspect that it endures. And then there's this other aspect that's really important is that, that that commitment is with no strings attached. I'm all yours. I'm all in. I'm all yours, God. With all my heart, all my soul. 
The Bible is bursting with, this, with examples of this kind of faithfulness. During the time of King Huzziah, 700 B.C., there lived a scribe, a record keeper. He was a librarian. God's chosen people are divided. Peril and crisis define the spirit of the times. Material prosperity fills the people with complacency. God's chosen are more occupied with pleasure and personal gain and to become rich and richer and richer. Unrest is in the kingdom. Anger, frustration, self-centeredness leads to injustice. I mean, this is, this is the world that this librarian lived there. Many are no longer thinking about God. Others are more concerned with former religion, but they are powerless. They talk about it, but it's fake. It's not real like we just saw a few moments ago. And in this dangerous and empty world, this librarian by the name of Isaiah has a vision. He sees the Lord seated on a throne, exalted and sovereign, and the train of his robe, this is beautiful imagery, the train of his robe fills the temple with glory, and angels are surrounding him. This is the vision that this librarian, Isaiah, has. And yet Isaiah notices that God is profoundly interested in healing the plight of his people. And as he is watching this and as he is experiencing this moment, he is filled with unspeakable awe. And then he hears God speaking. God just says four words. Whom shall I send? Is there anybody out there that has the courage to speak on my behalf? Whom shall I send? Anybody out there who will trust me more than the circumstances around them? Whom shall I send? Anybody out there less interested in self-gain, willing to pursue a higher calling? Who am I going to send? Anybody out there compassionate enough to guide my people? Who am I going to send? And suddenly, uh, just kind of come out of his mouth. Isaiah just can't help himself. Here am I. Send me. What did I just say? And that becomes an adventure that lasts for decades. And you could read about it in the book of Isaiah. That is faithfulness. That is courage, courageous, trusting commitment with no strings attached. You don't hear, here I am, send me only if you protect me. Or here am I, send me as long as you provide for me. Here am I, send me, but guard my reputation. Here am I, send me, but I control how and what things happen and when they happen. Here am I, send me, but. 
faithfulness. The kind of faithfulness that God is calling us to is the kind of faithfulness that is, is being unsatisfied with just merely surviving and maintaining a safe existence. But the kind of faithfulness that understands who God really is, who the master really is, and, and wants to thrive. The kind of faithfulness that's willing to risk everything and courageously commit to God-sized assignments. Who am I going to send? And these days, I hear less and less people say, here am I, send me. So I'm going to share with you four different ways that faithfulness is extremely important for the believer. The first one is faithfulness as resolute commitment. Faithfulness as resolute commitment. They are known as the 40 martyrs of Sebast. In the famed 12th Legion of the Roman Imperial Army, there were 40 soldiers that became believers in Jesus Christ. And one day their captain informed them that the emperor Licinius had sent out an edict commanding all soldiers to offer sacrifice to pagan deities. You can have our armor, they said, and even our bodies, but you cannot have our hearts. And so they were forced to march, true story, forced to march onto a frozen lake in the midwinter of A.D. 320. At any time, they could renounce Christ and be spared from death. But they huddled together and began to sing the songs of old. That freezing night saw 39 men fall to their icy graves. And when there was but one man left, he stumbled to the shore and he renounced Christ. The captain, upon seeing this, and upon seeing what these 39 men quickly replaced the man who had broken rank, and he walked onto the ice. And he confessed Christ. And at sunrise, they found 40 men faithful to the cause of Christ. Faithful as resolute commitment. Amen? Faithfulness as reliable steadfastness. I am amazed how easily we are discouraged. I am amazed how easily we break rank. I am amazed in today's world how the cancel culture has kind of just taken over. I am amazed how we've allowed a pandemic to, to, to bring disunity, to bring discouragement to bring churches all over. I, I wish I could say it's just us. No, 
It's churches everywhere that are struggling with this. I think it's a, it's a crisis of faithfulness. How are we doing out there? There's a story about Senator Mark Hatfield who tells of touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting the so-called house of dying. This is where the sick children are cared for in their last days, for their last breaths. In the dispensary where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. It's their last resort. And watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing those left by others to die, Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers faced every single day. How do you do it? How can you bear the load without being crushed by it, he asked. And Mother Teresa replied, my dear Senator, I am not called to be successful. I am called to be faithful. See, I think we've lost sight of what we are supposed to be as believers. We're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. And if we are faithful, God will make us successful. Faithfulness as persistent dedication. Persistent dedication. This is that endurance part. This is where we don't give up no matter what. We, we crash through the quitting wall. I don't know if you've ever heard of the daffodil principle. Have you ever, anybody here ever heard of the daffodil principle? I just heard about it this week for the first time. Tim Davis writes about a mother, her name was Fran, and her daughter, Carolyn, uh, who go to this, on this trip, uh, they keep being invited to go to this little lady's house, old lady's house, and, and Carolyn keeps wanting Fran, her mom, to go. You got to see this. This is amazing. So finally they go, and I'm just going to actually read to you how Tim Davis writes this because it's, it's, it's just brilliant. He says, after about 20 minutes, we turned onto a small gravel road, and I saw a small church. On the far side of the church, I saw a hand-lettered sign that said, Daffodil Garden. We got out of the car and each took a child's hand, and I followed Carolyn down the path, and then we turned the corner of the path, and I looked up and gasped. Before me lay the most glorious sight it looked as though someone had taken a great vat of gold and poured it down over the mountain peaks and slopes. The flowers were planted in majestic, swirling patterns, great ribbons, and swaths of deep orange with lemon, yellow, salmon pink, saffron, and butter yellow. Each different colored variety was planted as a group so that it swirled and flowed like its own river with its own unique hue. Five acres of flowers. But who had done this? Asked, I asked Carolyn. Carolyn answered, it's just one woman. She lives on the property. 
there's our home. Carolyn pointed to a well-kept A-frame house that looked small and modest in the midst of all that glory. So we walked up to the house. On the patio, we saw a poster, and it said, answers to the questions I know you are asking. One, 50,000 bulbs. Two, yes, one at a time by one woman. Two hands, two feet, and a very little brain. Three, I began in 1958. Tim Davis writes, there it is, the daffodil principle. For me, the moment that was a life-changing experience, I thought of this woman whom I had never met who more than 40 years before had begun one bulb at a time to bring her vision of beauty and joy to an obscure mountaintop, faithful as persistent dedication. I don't know about you, but I just don't have that kind of patience. I don't have that kind of commitment, and I want it, don't you? Today you can right out there and still see it. And I understand it is glorious. And then finally, faithfulness as unconditional loyalty. The Bible tells of three Hebrew slaves. Many of you have read the story. And so it's going to be easy for you to tune out, but don't tune out. Even though you know the story well, I want you to stay with me. They saw their family executed. They experienced their homeland being destroyed. It's all written in the book of Daniel. If you've never read it, I encourage you to go read it. It's one of the most amazing stories. They're captives in a foreign land. They're unwilling immigrants in a foreign land, forced to comply. And in every way possible, they obey this foreign government. Amazingly, because of who they are, and they, they become respected in Babylon. And their faithfulness to God was recognized by those in power as honorable. But it also was a cause for great jealousy by others. And Daniel chapter 3 definitely definitely worth reading, talks about this king, Nebuchadnezzar, who has a great artist sculpt a 90-feet sculpture of gold of himself. Very humble leader, King Nebuchadnezzar. He sets it up on the plain of Dura so that people can see it from every mountaintop. And it's big enough so that, he says, when the band plays, everybody should gather there and worship the image. <clears throat> so the band played. And everyone gathered there. 
and these three Hebrew slaves who their names were changed. They allowed their names to be changed to, to their, these, these crazy Babylonian gods. These three Hebrew slaves that had taken everything from them. These three Hebrew slaves that had to comply with everything that they had to do except they changed their clothes. They changed their appearance. They changed everything. But the one thing that they would not do was bow down to a pagan god. That's too far. See, I think it's important to decide which hills are worth dying on. I think sometimes we die on small hills when there are much bigger hills. We die in small battles when there are much bigger battles to fight. So the band played and all but three went to worship. But this was a perfect opportunity, by the way, for the jealous ones to take advantage of. So they tell the king that Shad, mission had been a defiant. And the king is furious. And I'm going to read it to you from, from the Bible. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it, is it true? I mean, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong because I know you guys. I know how honorable you are. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, now, when you hear this sound of the horn, maybe you didn't hear it. I get it. When you hear the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you are ready to fall. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. I'm willing to wink and forgive, right? But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then he asks this question. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I mean, come on, you know us. You know how much we've given up. You know how much we've done. You know what we were willing to do and we're not willing to do, and there's the one thing that we're not willing to do, and that is to bow down to another God. You know the God we serve, so come on. They say, King, there's, there's no need to defend ourselves to you in this man. Don't even bother striking up the band. <laughs> if we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver, deliver us from your, majesty, from your majesty's hands. But even if he what? Does not. Faithfulness with no strings attached. Are you catching it? Even if he does not. We want you to know your majesty. That we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. 
So then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times harder than usual. And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turban, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. I don't know why they tied them up. Not sure what that would do, really. And then the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And it killed the men who threw them in. Did you notice that? Then it says, and then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. What's going on? And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Are you catching this? I love this. I mean, Jesus is in there with them. I, I don't know about you, but there's another word that I want to notice. It's what? Unbound. The only thing that burned was what? The rope. Faithfulness, literally, with no strings attached. I love this. And the Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. And I'm sure he was approaching it very carefully because he saw what happened to the soldiers. And shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. Now, he doesn't want to go in. He wants them to come out. And the Bible says, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was their hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. See, when God does something, he does it all the way, doesn't he? And then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own God. Hmm. Now, that is faithfulness without strings attached, isn't it? You will never know 
those whom you will pull into obedience by the windshear of your faithfulness. Even a pagan god, a pagan king. King Nebuchadnezzar. So faithfulness is the one quality in life of the believer that enables he or she to demonstrate the kind of loyalty and determination that energizes and inspires other believers to action. It demonstrates the kind of fidelity that warms the heart of God. Faithfulness is the relentless preaching of Noah. Faithfulness is the trustworthiness of Joseph. Faithfulness is the obedience of an old man named Abraham. Faithfulness is the determination of Joshua to enter a promised land. Faithfulness is the I will serve God no matter what dedication of Job. Faithfulness is the uh, do not derail me from my purpose attitude of Nehemiah. Faithfulness is the if I perish, I perish dependability of Esther. Faithfulness is the resolve and consistent pursuit of kingdom advancement that the apostles of the New Testament had, regardless of the ramifications, no strings attached. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is every prayer that you have ascended to God for your unbelieving spouse or wayward children, parents, brothers, sisters, and friends, and you keep at it, you keep at it, and you keep at it. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the unwavering caring for your aged parents or in-laws for years and years because you love them. Faithfulness is the behind-the-scenes, unhonored, and unsung, relentless work of, of moms. Faithfulness is what some have been doing in this church, behind the scenes, constantly, even through all this crazy mess. Faithfulness is you sitting there with no strings attached. Faithfulness is when couples celebrate 50, 30, 60 years of marriage. And Nancy and I have experienced this at some very deep moments. But faithfulness is when at a graveside, even with tears in their eyes and a terrific lump in their throat, a grieving family could sing soon very soon. Sounds great, Pastor. <laughs> but I'm not sure I'm that strong. I mean, that's, that sounds really amazing. I mean, I would love that kind of faithfulness. Good news. Good news. Are you ready? Remember Jesus said, if you abide in him, I will, he will bear what? Much fruit. So our job is to do what? Abide in him. If we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. You can be faithful because he is faithful. Does that make sense? I love this verse in Timothy. It says, if we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful because he cannot deny himself. Isn't that beautiful? Some of you need to memorize this verse. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 
And then this one here. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every other morning. Every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. And if we abide in him, we will absorb that faithfulness. He doesn't see you through eyes of disapproval or disappointment. His presence is not a sign of condemnation. It's actually an invitation. God intends to uproot us from the tyranny of the routine, the tyranny of the familiar, to shatter the monotonous life we've had and to take on the adventure of a lifetime. Faithful, without strings attached. Here's what I believe. I believe that his promise still stands and that his faithfulness is great. I believe that we are still in his hands. This is my confidence. Is it yours? He's never failed us yet. And he's not about to now. Stand with us as we sing this closing song. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to You're still enough. Keep me within your love. 
for my find your praise again your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness This is my confidence, you've never failed me yet. And you've never failed me yet, and I never will. 
pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your faithfulness that's new every morning. And thank you for your willingness to, to pour some of that on us that we may be faithful. May we have the same faithfulness that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. And all those men and women of faith that we talked about today. Help us, O oh Lord, no strings attached. We're all yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Sabbath. I'll see you guys uh, next week. Once again, God bless you. Thank you for watching at home. We'll see you guys next week too. Oh, you'll see us for sure. God bless. <laughs>